0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on WDAY. 701-293-9000, 888 Email talk at WDAY.com. If you want to join the show that way, you can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Students at the University of North Dakota protesting. They're hanging up banners saying... Cut administration, not sports. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Also coming up at uh, about 138, we'll have on a Bismarck attorney by the name of Jackson Lofgren. He's done a lot of work in the area of civil asset forfeiture. Have you heard of that? Y- you might have. It- it's actually gotten a lot more attention for being a little bit of down in the weeds type of policy. It's, it's pretty outrageous what it is. And, and I-, I want to preface this by saying in the state of North Dakota, civil asset forfeiture is not a problem. Not it's it, it, it has. I, I shouldn't say that. It hasn't been a problem relative to other states, right? So, other states abuse this very badly, um, and and it's essentially a process by which if if law enforcement believes that your property has been involved in a crime. So let's say you get arrested because police think you're transporting drugs in your car um in addition to whatever criminal charges they may bring against you they can also initiate a civil procedure against your property and they 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 seize your property right so so they take it and then if you don't prove that your property wasn't committed in a crime, so sort of a reversal of what we typically expect in the criminal justice system, which is that you're innocent until proven guilty, you have to go into court and prove that your property wasn't used in a crime. And if you don't prove that, the cops get to keep it. And so in the State House of Representatives, uh, State Representative Rick Becker, passed. Uh, he he introduced and it passed on a 50 to 42 vote in the House earlier this year, a bill that made a number of changes to that process, uh, including moving any proceeds from the seized property uh, or the forfeited property, excuse me, that money would go into the general fund instead of staying with the the law enforcement departments. Right, so sort of removing that financial incentive from you know from seizing and forfeiting profit. Um, you know, that would go to the general fund where the legislators would decide where that money would get spent, not to law enforcement, who are the ones doing the seizing. If The bill failed in the state Senate. Not a single senator voted for it. And that's a little depressing. So we're going to talk with uh, Jackson Lofgren about that uh, coming up here at one thirty eight. Uh, good afternoon, Thiel. how are you?
1: Doing very good. I'm glad it is Friday. Looking forward to a really nice looking weekend. All things considered, maybe a couple of little showers here and there, but
0: yeah, well, that's to be expected this spring. And and really, I don't mind the rain this in the spring. I mean, it's it's good for a lot of reasons, but not the least because it helps wash some of the dirty ucky you know stuff off the road. The snert. You can tell I have kids. I just said ucky on the air. (laughs) Oh,
1: it's a good day to be on AM 970.
0: All right, now we're gonna get serious. <laughs> Maybe at the um, so at the University of North Dakota has been obviously all, all over the state. I mean, I think I warned a few weeks back that that we were, you know, we we got the final forecast in. Lawmakers were going to be finalizing budgets, and that's when we were going to start to see a lot of the headlines and 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 you know the the fighting and, and the social media posts and all this stuff about what's going on with the budget and of course because increasing budgets is always easy and decreasing them is always hard not the least of which because a common bureaucratic strategy is to make the cuts hurt as as badly as possible because i have yet to meet a bureaucrat in state government who wants a smaller budget who doesn't think that their budget ought to be larger and that any attempt to reduce their budget is you know going to put the elderly out in the streets and everything else we're fine. We're going to get through this. We're just going to have to deal with some of the sensationalism for a while and then and then I think we'll find that really a lot of the bloat that we're cutting out of the budget was was stuff we either don't need anymore because it was oil boom stuff uh, where the needs have, have sailed or we're going to find that we didn't maybe we didn't really need it to begin with. I mean, that's, that's really the problem. Spending drove this problem. I mean, there's people out there saying, oh, we got we to increase taxes. We got to bring in more revenue. What happened, and, and, you know, Republican lawmakers, Republican leadership in this state deserves 100% of the blame because they had the majorities throughout it, although I would point out the Democrats were on their left flank wanting to spend even more. But what happened is our political leadership in this state spent everything, right? They, they spent everything. Everything that wasn't nailed down, we got a tidal wave of revenue in during the oil boom, and what they found is that mostly it was easier to just say yes to everything than to say no, right? Why, why risk reelection? Why do the hard work of having an argument about why a budget shouldn't go up when there's so much money sitting around, you can just say yes? So they said yes to everything, and now what we're going through is a budget correction, and you don't you don't fix a needed budget correction. You don't fix a problem that was created by overspending by raising revenues to try to sustain the spending. We don't need tax increases in North Dakota. We especially don't need tax increases at a time when we want our economy to bounce back to maybe start producing some of these revenues again. That's not what we need. You don't you don't raise taxes when that's going on, you keep taxes low because what do we want? We want to attract businesses to our state. We want to attract a diverse economy. And part of the way you do that is by having low taxes. So we're going to hold the line on taxes and we're going to we're going to correct the budget. But part of that is producing debates such as the one we're seeing at the University of North Dakota right now where some students are worked up, and I'll get to that in the next segment. Love to hear from you. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
1: You tell me
2: Welcome back rob
0: report here on 970 wday email talk at wday.com 701 293 9000 888 9329 okay budget cuts what's going on at the university of north dakota there uh, was a group of students they hung banners on the side of a parking garage banner said cut admin not sports now a couple of points to make there first of all it's it's depressing to me that cuts to sports programs are are what's become the rallying cry here. I, and and this is I'll, I'll get off my soapbox on this in a moment, but it these schools were created for academic pursuits. They were not created to play host body for sports programs. So, to my mind, sports always should be cut just about before anything else at the university because sports are well outside the academic mission of the university. That is something extracurricular. That is something. The colleges have added on over the years and it's become a big business for them, but it's not part of the mission. So to my mind, if you're going to make cuts at a university, you start with sports and you you cut as much as you can from sports before just about before you cut anything else. But in terms of should – is UND making – cuts to the administration i I think that's the point that 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 the kids are trying to make we're cutting elsewhere why aren't we cutting the administration and if you look at the cuts und made in calendar year 2016 the total number of cuts that they made from the executive and administrative uh, managerial categories was 8.8 positions 8.8 full-time positions now obviously we're in a situation where we're in a situation where administration is always going to be much smaller just in terms of number than everywhere else, right? Not everybody's a manager, right? I mean, it's, that's always the case. You have a manager and then you have a bunch of workers that that manager is in charge of managing, managing, man, managing. So that's, you know, we, we've got to be careful there because these categories at the top are always going to be smaller numbers. That said, if we think about how expansive these administrations have become with the vice presidents and the deans and the associate deans and everything else down the list, administrative bloat at the universities has been enormous. And what's, what's, what's really funny is that if, if you actually chart this stuff and I did a few years ago, I don't, I don't have the most recent numbers, but if you chart this stuff, Administration has – has expl- I mean, that, that really is where most of the payroll growth at NDSU and UND has been, has been in administration. Really, not just at the two largest universities, across the university system. It's been in administration. Even as in, in enrollment in, in the North Dakota University system has been relatively flat. I, I think over the last decade, you're talking about, a, about an 8% increase. It's a little more than about a 1% annual increase in full-time equivalent enrollment in our 11 public institutions of higher education. So enrollment hasn't been growing that much. Faculty hiring, frankly, hasn't been growing that much. It's been really pretty flat, too, as you would expect. If, if enrollment's not growing, then we really don't have a need to be growing faculty positions either. But where there has been an enormous amount of growth is in administration. And I think the last time I looked at the numbers, we were looking at an administrative growth that was like 20%. So if, if somebody's going to make the point, and I, I don't like making it in the context of cuts to sports programs, because I'm sorry, as I pointed out yesterday, the University of North Dakota's women's hockey program brought in twenty-five thousand dollars in ticket sales in 2016, yet had two point one million dollars in expenses. That's a program that has to be cut, given the cost of higher education these days. Given Uh, what students are going through in terms of financing higher education with the student loans and everything else, it is ridiculous that a school would be spending millions of dollars a year subsidizing sports that very few people even want to go see. You can't do that. That is fiscally irresponsible. So, So while I don't like the students making this point in the context of, well, cut administration, not sports, I do think there's something to be said about an administrative cuts that, that are needed to come, to come. By the way, somebody made a point to me, why is UND going through all this and not NDSU? And I was, I was asking some lawmakers about it and, and really I, this is, I, I, I think the next big shoe to drop and, and I don't know if it's going to drop during the legislative session or when it's going to happen, but NDSU at some point is going to have to get some skin in the game. I think they've been getting by by moving money around. I think they've been getting a uh, by, by, uh, you know, cutting cutting some stuff. They've been cutting research and some other things, but they haven't been cutting staff really. They haven't been cutting positions really. And at some point, they're going to have to. At, at some point, I, I think NDsu is going to have to go through what und has gone through, and they haven't yet. And I, I think they haven't because, you know, like I said, they've been moving some stuff around in the budget. But I think there's a day of reckoning probably coming in, coming with with NDsu right now. So. I know there's always an intense rivalry between NDSU and UND, and fans of the two schools hate each other, which just seems silly and childish and petulant. But all of you NDSU fans out there who are experiencing schadenfreude at what's going on at UND, your day's probably coming. At some point, these schools have been grown, you know spending at these group, schools have grown far beyond the state's needs. I mean, really, that's, that's the problem with, with the whole state budget. I mean, we, we built spending on oil boom revenues, not just oil boom revenues, but frankly, agriculture boom, a commodities boom revenue that, that was never going to last. It was never going to be the new normal, but we budgeted like it was going to be the new normal. And now, surprise, it's not the new normal, and here we are. Here we are. And raise taxes, some say. What a a silly idea. Why would you want to raise taxes in a state, right? North Dakota has a chronic problem with a worker shortage, right? We have a chronic problem with needing to diversify our economy so that we're not so dependent on these commodity driven industries, oil and agriculture, which isn't to say those industries are fine, they're important. We should promote them and we want them, we don't want them to go anywhere. But I think what people are saying, we need to add more. We need to add more pieces to that pie so that we're diversified and we're not so you know, influenced by commodity prices up and down. And if we want to do that, how are we going to do that by raising taxes? How are we going to do that by making it more expensive to live here? Right? I mean, North, North Dakota already has, let's face it, has a lot to overcome because of our weather. We have a lot to overcome because we have this perception that this is a boring state. That there's not a lot going on here, which I think is unfair. So we have to overcome all that to try to attract people to come here and invest and to work and to find prosperity and happiness. And what would make that case harder is higher taxes. We got to keep taxes low. So people want to come here. Now, we got a spending problem and. That's being corrected. All right, civil asset forfeiture. That's coming up next. You want to join in, 701-293-9000, 970 9329 Email talk at WDAY.com. Not a single senator yesterday voting in favor of a bill that would have put some restrictions on civil asset forfeiture in North Dakota. That is, I'm sorry, flat-out depressing. But we'll talk about it next here on The Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Don't go anywhere. Now I
2: get my little baby now None.
0: The the church Welcome back, emailer Jerry. Says one reason why NDSU isn't having the money issue yet: twenty men's and women's sports for UND. NDSU has fourteen. Yeah, well, I I don't know if those I don't know if those numbers are one hundred percent accurate, but I, the, the larger point is one hundred percent accurate. Uh, NDSU and UND and UND had a lot more sports, um, and, and even if if you broke down, it was spending a lot more money. Subsidizing it, even even in um, 2015, which which you know saw both US, UND and N D S U lower the amount of subsidies that they were putting towards sports. U uh, N D spent million dollars more in student fees and university dollars subsidizing their sports programs. So, you know, U N D had had uh, the fundamental truth is that collegiate sports did not bring in revenue for for, for the schools in excess of what they cost. The, the sports programs cost money. They do not make money for the schools. They just don't. And so because UND had more sports, there's more cost there for them. And obviously now that it's time to cut costs, it's a it's a heavier lift for them. All right, we're going to talk about civil asset forfeiture. My guest, Jackson Lofgren, uh, welcome, for, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for the time, Mr. Lofgren.
2: Thanks for having me on, Rob.
0: Tell us what happened in the legislature yesterday.
2: Well, uh, for um, the, the most part, it was a pretty rough day uh, for you know the folks who practice uh, criminal defense in North Dakota. The Senate unanimously voted down House Bill 1170, which would have um, fundamentally changed how we do asset forfeitures as far as uh, with law enforcement yeah. in North Dakota, and then they also... Completely gutted uh, House Bill twelve twenty one, which would have been a uh, a revamp on the guidelines used for confidential police informants.
0: So uh, right, and, and and the 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 uh, the issue with with the constant the uh, informants, and that was the the issue related to Andrew Sadek, and I'm going to talk about that. That's going to a committee with the house. Now the House passed a good version of that bill. The Senate, as you said, gutted it, but now they got to reconcile the two. And I was talking with some senators yesterday, and there's some expectation that their bill is going to be improved through the reconciliation process. I guess we'll see what comes out of that. But in terms of of civil asset forfeiture, it was interesting because when I heard Senator Diane Larson, she's a Republican from Bismarck, carry the bill to the floor in her speech, one thing that she pointed out, which I think is, is mostly true, is that both supporters of the bill and opponents of the bill said, there's really not a whole lot of this going on in North Dakota right now. And I, I think that's true relative to other states. It is happening here. It's just maybe not happening as bad as in other states. And, and I guess when, – but when I hear that, I'm thinking to myself, well, why do we have to wait for them to begin abusing it? Why do we have to wait till we get to the point where we're as bad as other states before we put it in into in, in place of protections? Can you illuminate that a
2: little bit for us? Well, and that's and that's uh, you you hit the nail right on the head, Rob. Uh, could you imagine a car manufacturer saying, "We know there's a design defect here, and somebody could get hurt, but we've got to wait for an accident before we fix it"? And that's essentially what they're saying: is you know we know that there's possibility here that um, that there could be somebody uh, getting hurt by this, but we're not going to fix anything until somebody actually does get hurt. And, and that's that's kind of the um, the gist of their argument. What what's going on with the asset forfeiture is uh it's kind of a symptom from, you know, what we call the war on drugs. You know, uh the idea was that, you know, we're gonna take these large scale drug uh kingpins and we're gonna take all their money and then the police are gonna get to keep it. Uh but what happens is is, you know, we don't have those people here in North Dakota and for the most part across the US, so it's become really a revenue-drawing uh, um, activity for a lot of law enforcement agencies. Right. And and this is something that's been going on throughout the country where uh, state legislatures have been looking at it and saying, we think that somebody should, uh, before the government's going to take your property, you either need to be convicted of a crime or at least charged with a crime, which currently isn't the case. Uh, if law enforcement thinks that you have property that is um, derived from criminal activity or that you were going to use for criminal activity, they can take it, and they don't even have to charge you with a criminal offense, and then they can do a, a very expedited civil proceeding and acquire uh, title to your property. And, and, how, uh,
0: how often is it? Because that—that that, that is what we heard yesterday at the legislature is that it's not happening a lot in North Dakota, but I talked to criminal defense attorneys like yourself and it is happening. I mean, do we have an idea for the scope of how often this is happening in North Dakota?
2: You know, as far as statewide, I don't have those numbers, but I I know um, I I was a former prosecutor myself and I've, I think I've got the largest forfeiture as a prosecutor to ever make it to the North Dakota Supreme court. And that was around $44,000. And in my, um, Time as a prosecutor, I, I would estimate I probably forfeited around, I'd say, $120,000, $130,000 in property. So, I mean, the numbers aren't, aren't small when you add them up. 701-293-9000,
0: 888 email talk at WDAY.com. So, so that, that bill got, un, unlike the issue with the criminal informants, the civil asset forfeiture bill got killed. Where do we go from here? I mean, I mean, is, are there any policies we could put in place in the interim? Are there practices we could do through the judiciary to, to, to try to protect against this going forward? Or are we just at the status quo until we get another shot at it next session?
2: Unfortunately, I think that's probably where we're at. Um, and this is something I, I know uh, Mississippi this year passed asset forfeiture laws. Nebraska did last year. This is something that you're going to continue to see throughout the country, and unfortunately, I think that's probably where we're stuck at until we can come back in two years and, and try to get this thing fixed.
0: Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday. Do you see this having an impact? I mean, how, because I I talk to people about this, and, and there are some people I think who have you know watched the YouTube videos, and there was you know John Oliver did a bit about it that was. That's gotten a lot of play on the internet and and there's some people that are engaged on it. Do you sense though that this is something that that the the larger public really has any any cognizance of?
2: No, not really i in my experience you know doing criminal work and and dealing with people and trying to reform some of the laws that we have, you know the often effect that you have is sort of the not in my backyard philosophy that you know it's not an issue as long as it's happening to everybody else. But when I finally have it happen to somebody that I know, then then all of a sudden we actually pull back that curtain and we see what's actually going on, and and that's when people do realize that there's there's a problem.
0: Mitch emails uh, Rob, and it's not an issue of how often it is happening. Uh, to how often it's not. A, uh, he didn't. Basically, he's saying it's not an issue of how often it's happening. It's it's the fact that it could happen, and I think that's a good point. I mean, I think that's a point I made on the blog yesterday was why do we need, and I think you made it earlier in the segment too, why do we need to sit around and wait for the government to start abusing us more before, you know, b- b- before we do something about it or before we put in place some protections?
2: Absolutely, and that's, and that's what I think this bill uh, was trying to do, you know, taking from some of those experiences that are from other states and, and, and fixing our, our, our system here before we do have a problem
0: because essentially as it stands right now there's a heavy financial incentive to do this now i don't i don't i don't think most of our law enforcement officers are interested in just going out and pe- taking people's stuff you know to 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 bring in funds for their departments their agencies or whatever but you know uh, they're human beings too and in any group of human beings there's some bad apples and the potential there is is big so this legislation would have directed the revenues into the general fund and also would have put in place some requirements that you actually be charged with the crime or convicted with the crime explain that a little bit for us
2: yeah right now um, you don't have to be convicted of a criminal offense for the government to take the title of your property what what they can do is um, you know let's say they find you um, you know driving or, or what not they stop you they find drugs of any amount and then they find some u.s. currency if, if they can create an argument or formulate an argument that that currency must somehow be related to the drugs, whether you must have sold drugs to got it to get it or um, were going to buy drugs with it, they can take it. And they can serve you with a summons and complaint. They don't need to charge you. And then they can push a, a fairly quick civil proceeding through um, without even having a criminal conviction or a criminal charge and And it's problematic because uh, for some people, that's going on at the same time as their criminal charge. So they're really fighting the government on two fronts on the civil front and the criminal front, and they may not be able to go into the civil case and and make some of the arguments that they would have made without jeopardizing their criminal case. And especially for indigent folks who are, you know they're they're um, dealing with court appointed counsel, that only applies to the criminal side. So a lot of times, on the civil side, they're left um, arguing pro se against the government and the government's lawyers.
0: Were you surprised that not a single senator voted for this?
2: Yes, I was. It it, uh, it didn't pass unanimously, obviously, through the House, but it passed. And to get to the Senate and not have a single senator vote for it was uh, surprising that um, the bill was not anti-law enforcement in any means. It, it didn't say that they couldn't acquire property. It just said that there had to be a criminal case. And then rather going directly to the law enforcement agency, it would go to the state general fund. And the reason behind that is is it takes away some of the incentive for um, misuse, that if the agency knows that they're not going to essentially get to keep that money themselves, it's going to go to the state, there's less incentive to to... Um, sort of blur the lines and in, in, uh, less incentive to um, take money in a case where probably it shouldn't be taken. Well, I, I, I,
0: th- I think from here until the next legislative session, what we need to do is keep a uh, keep a weather eye out for any instances of this happening in our state shine a spotlight on him try to raise awareness about it and take another crack next session but it's it's disappointing to have seen this bill gone down in the senate because even if even if there were problems with it i i feel like any concerns could have been amended and we could have at least kept moving the ball down the field but they killed it they didn't get a single positive vote so i guess we are where we're at jackson thanks for your time certainly appreciate it sir
2: thanks rob thanks for having me on
0: jackson lofgren he's a bismarck attorney he's been working on this issue and it's it's not a good one The Senate should have passed the bill or at least amended it into something. Find some compromise and move the ball up the field a little bit. That would have been the right move. We'll wrap the show up right after this. This is the Rob report on 970 WDAY. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Do you want to get in on the last couple of minutes? 701 293 9000 Email talk at wday.com. The Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Emailer says, I would bet UND would be in better athletic shape if they had kept the Fighting Sioux nickname. You know, I, maybe, but it would be marginal. Um,. You know, if, if they had ended up keeping the nickname, I mean, obviously there's, you know, the NCAA was threatening sanctions to go along with that. How that would have played out, I guess, I don't know. Um, I mean, if, if we're just talking strictly merchandise sales, then yeah, yeah, I suppose they would. it was a popular nickname, I think much more so than the current one. Uh, and, you know, they probably would have made a lot more money with merchandise sales. Uh, but is enough to make up the shortfalls they're facing now? No. So, better shape? Maybe depending on how all that played out, but I don't know. There's a ton of variables there, and honestly, that issue's over. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Um, I don't know. What what do you got planned for this weekend, Natil?
1: Honestly, I'm pretty boring this weekend. I'm gonna try to finish reorganizing the basement. We got some new furniture, and so that has set the whole thing down there. Just In a complete tizzy, you you don't realize how much stuff you have until you have to start moving it all
0: around. I, um, yeah, Uh. no kidding. I, I gotta clean out the garage at some point, you know, and and especially because the, the, where we're living now, we don't have a drain in the garage. So it's, oh dear, it's all crusty. That's gross. (laughs) I gotta sweep it out, move some boxes around, and I might, I might do that this weekend. We live like
1: right in this little, it's like a, a wind tunnel, it's just. Our little stoop, though, the stoops on either side of me are fine. But for some reason, all of the dust and dirt and dead grass in like a four block radius collects in my stoop. (laughs) <laughs> and i hate it i have to sweep my bad. stoop like every other weekend
0: you, well we had i lived in a place like that once where it was it, it was just dusty all the time but it's I, it just is, my it, stoop though it's not it's the, the stoop to the west is fine and the stoop to the east is fine it's some quirk. it's some quirk in the in the, in the currents of the wind in that area i don't know they hate I no me idea. i guess
1: do you have anything fun going on this weekend i suppose you've got baseball to watch
0: uh, actually, the Yankees have an exposition game with the Braves tonight, and then there's no baseball at all over the weekend. Oh well. uh, not, not not till Tuesday, opening day. Should be uh, Tuesday should be a national holiday. I, think. <laughs> I, I I think everybody nobody should have to work on opening day because there's nothing else like it. Opening day of baseball, hope springs eternal. Are you gonna, are you going to
1: be at work on Tuesday? Well, yeah. Okay.
0: but i'll probably be watching baseball while i'm working so oh snap uh no uh, spring i you know the the nice thing about spring though i mean even though you got to do all the spring cleaning you know and all the all the crud that built up over the winter you got to do all that it just it just feels nice though doesn't it i mean to go out it really does and the difference for us you know because i've got kids so going anywhere is is like readying to uh to climb Mount Everest right, oh, I, with the I amount know of equipment the feeling. and everything it's like trying it, to
1: take my dog for a walk in the winter it's nice to
0: realize like you're standing there holding the kid's coat and it's like you know maybe I don't have to put this on
1: yeah no there's maybe, there's, maybe we could just go there's nothing better than being able to just throw on my slip-on shoes and walk outside with the dog no, instead okay. of having to like put on the coat put on the scarf put on the hat put on the yeah. gloves
0: alright well let's wrap this show up remember you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY or 24 hours a day 7 days a week at sayanythingblog.com Jay Thomas coming up thanks for listening we'll talk again take a breath say my name and I'll be there my love will
2: find you anywhere anywhere my love